This morning's reading is found in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 9 to 21 and verse 29. Carefully follow the terms of this covenant so that you may prosper in everything you do. All of you are standing today in the presence of the Lord your God. Your leaders and the chief men, your elders and officials, and all the other men of Israel, together with your children and your wives and the foreigners living in your camps who chop your wood and carry your water. You are standing here in order to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God, a covenant the Lord is making with you this day and sealing with an oath to confirm you this day as his people, that he may be your God as he promised you and as he swore to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am making this covenant with its oath not only with you, who are standing with us today in the presence of the Lord our God, but also with those who are not here today. You yourselves know how we lived in Egypt and how we passed through the countries on the way here. You saw among them their detestable images and idols of wood and stone, of silver and gold. Make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship these gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. When such a person hears the words of this oath, and they invoke a blessing on themselves, thinking, I will be safe, even though I persist in going my own way. They will bring disaster on the watered land as well as the dry. The Lord will never be willing to forgive them. His wrath and zeal will burn against them. All the curses written in this book will fall on them, and the Lord will blot their names out from under heaven. The Lord will single them out from all the tribes of Israel for disaster, according to all the curses of the covenant written in the book of the law. Now verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. That, me, that we may follow all the words of this law. This is the word of the Lord. Has anybody here ever traveled to London? Anybody been to London? Have you, read, have you gone to the underground in London and rode the tube? I guess they call it the tube, right? And uh, in the UK, you have that. And what is, there's a, there's a warning on the floor between the platform and the train, it says what? You can see it on the screen, actually. What does it say? Mind the gap, right? Which means there's a gap here, and if you don't mind it, if you don't pay attention to it, you could get hurt, right? You could get, uh, get something dangerous could happen to you. I would suggest to you that there is a gap 
that exists in our lives. And it's this gap that we have to mind. It's the gap between what we know and what we don't know. The answers that we do have and the answers that we don't have. And sometimes we don't have all the answers. And sometimes God says no to us and we don't know why. And we may never have the answer to that no question or that no response or that no command that we get from God. And so we have, there's this gap, this huge gap that exists. In fact, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Saying, what God is saying is there's a big gap <laughs> between what we know, what we understand, what is revealed to us and what God knows and what God understands and what God sees. And sometimes, what do we try and do with that gap? What do we try and do with it? Go ahead. What do, you, what do you think? What do we try and do when we don't have, when we see this big gap between what we know and what we don't know? What do we try to do normally as human beings? Fake it, Fake it bridge it, fill it, right? Ignore it, <laughs> right? Those are some of the things we try and do to deal with it, right? I'm thinking that oftentimes we try and fill it, we probably try and fill it or ignore it, but we try and fill it up, and, and what do we fill it up with? <laughs> what, what, what are we depending on to fill it up? Who, who are we depending on to fill it up? Ourselves, right? We try and fill it up, and we're limited, and we're finite, we're imperfect, and we don't have all the answers, and we have this God who does have all the answers, and we wonder what to do with the gap. So here's my question for us this morning. When God says no, do you trust God is for you even when you don't have all the answers? Do you trust that God is for you even when you do not get the answers that you want or know or any answers whatsoever? When that why question comes up in your life and you say, why did this happen? Why are bad things happening to good people? Why are good things happening to bad people? Why? Why, 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 God? What do you do with that gap? See, we try and fill it, and so we turn to science, we turn to medicine, we turn to all these other places trying to fill that gap, but the bottom line is there's sometimes that even with all the science, all the advancements in medicine, all the different things that we've come to understand, all the different changes in society, there's still a gap. <laughs> there's still the misunderstood, the not understood. So we come to this you're kind of probably wondering, why did we read this verse out of Deuteronomy? What a, what a depressing <laughs> ending, to, especially the end. But we'll really focus in on one verse, that verse 29. But I wanted you to have some context of what's going on around verse 29. Because verse 29 is our focus verse today, but, we're, but before we get to that, I want to tell you what's going on. What has happened in the book of Deuteronomy is that God has been, the, the leaders of Israel have been laying out the covenant this covenant law, this covenant between Israel and God saying, God is saying, I'm gonna love you, I'm gonna be in relationship with you, you be in relationship with me, follow the covenant law. And so this is what God has revealed to them. It is revelation, it is the law. And so they're looking at that, but then he warns them, the leaders warn them and say, look, you know, if you turn away from this law, you know, th things, bad things are gonna happen. What you didn't hear though, is that after verse 29, it goes in to talk about if you return to the law, if you want to be back in relationship with God, so if you break the covenant and then wanna come back into relationship with God, God will restore you, God will forgive you, God will reconcile with you. So we missed that part of the, uh, the, the passage. But that's also, so this verse right here, verse 29, falls right into the gap 
of Deuteronomy. It is right in this hinge point in Deuteronomy between laying out the covenant law and saying, don't turn away from it, and then this other promise of restoration. And there is this verse, this gap verse, which informs us today, which says, verse 29, to remind us of it, let's read this together. Can you all read this together? The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Now, the point here is to say to the people, stick with what you know. (laughs) Stay with what God has revealed to you. Stay in that place. Stay with what God has already shown you and revealed to you. Keep your faith there. And trust that God has the secret things. Trust God with the unanswered questions. Trust that God has got the gap. Because what this is saying to us is that there are divine secrets that we'll never know the answer to, and there is divine revelation. We have divine revelation in the scriptures, in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a revelation of God. When Jesus came and lived among us, he revealed God to us. It was, that was part of God's revelation. We have the scriptures, which we can turn to, that are revealed to us about God and about life. But then there are some things that are just divine secrets, things we will never have an answer to, things we will never know. And what do we do when that happens? I would suggest to you that there's a temptation that when we don't have the answers, when, we're, when we ask the question why, and sometimes we ask it, with anger and frustration and disappointment, I would suggest to you that sometimes we turn away from God. That sometimes we look at those divine secrets, those unanswered questions, and we say, I'm not getting the answer I want. I'm not satisfied with this. I want to know or I don't, I'm not getting my, my, my question answered. And so we become disappointed with God. And I would say to you that the one thing that makes us question God the most is when bad things happen. Because we think, interpret that bad thing, and we look at that bad thing, and we go, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I'm guessing, I'm assuming that part of what we read into that is, God, you don't love me. Because if you loved me, you would fill in the blank. If you really loved me, this wouldn't have happened to me. And so we assume that God is not for us when bad things happen. We, are, we assume God is not for us when we don't have the answers. And it's interesting because in this covenant passage, right before verse 29, it says this to us, make sure, make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away. Heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. And what is it? This turn, why would we turn away to another god? Why would we turn to something else? Well, sometimes because we want to do things our way and this other god or this other idol or this other thing may seem more tempting to us or more fulfilling to us. But I think also sometimes we turn away from God because we're bitter, because we're disappointed, because we're frustrated, because we're angry. We turn away from God because we we don't have the answer and it becomes this bitter poison within us And that turns us away. 
see what's going on in our heart. You notice that it says, make sure your heart <laughs> doesn't turn away. And the heart is the seat of emotion and the seat of anger and the seat of frustration and disappointment. Make sure, mind the gap. So, I know some of you are currently married. Some of you have been married. Some of you are thinking about getting married. And I've got to talk to couples from pre-marriage all the way to those anticipating divorce. And I see this often in couples, and they actually, there's research to back this up, that there's, a, there's something that determines whether or not a marriage will succeed or fail, whether that relationship will hold tightly together or whether that relationship will fall apart. Do you want to take a guess at what it is that determines whether that relationship stays or goes? You want to take a guess from our passage and before you? Bitterness. A bitter poison. See, I've seen as I've counseled couples and talked to couples, there's two types of anger in marriage. There's the good kind, of, what I call the good kind of anger, which gets stuff out on the table, which confronts things, right? But that kind of anger that confronts and gets things out on the table is the good kind of anger. And I kind of reflect in it that that's the way that God is with us because it's a loving anger. Or if you've ever, if you're a parent of a child, have you ever said no to your child? Because no, you're not going to do that. Why? You can't explain to them why because they're two. You just know no is the answer, right? They can't comprehend why you're saying no. They, you can't explain to them rationally. You cannot explain anything rationally to a two-year-old, by the way. Right? It's like God trying to explain to us why God says no, right, sometimes. But what I'm saying is that, that we say no, we get, there is times when we say no because we love. There are times when we're angry because we love. And there are times when God gets upset with us because God loves us and wants to be in relationship with us and we've turned away. And that, and that, you know, that's painful. But then there's, so that, that's what I see in relate marriage relationships in the marriage covenant, we call it, by the way, speaking of covenants. And as we look at this marriage covenant, and I see people come to me with anger and frustration and not know how to resolve their problems, and they come and they want advice, they want counsel, but in their anger, their relationship remains important. It's not bitterness, it's not hatred, it's, it's like I'm angry with you, but I still love you. I think that's the way God is with us sometimes. I, I'm frustrated with you, <laughs> I still love you. <laughs> but I see another type of anger, and that's the anger I'm talking about that destroys relationships. It's a bitterness, it's a hatred. And when we're angry and hate the other, when we're angry and we're bitter towards the other, guess what happens to the relationship? We turn away. It destroys relationship. And anytime a couple finds itself in a place where they're angry and bitter, not loving, that it's very hard to repair that relationship. As much as I'd like to see that happen, one of the things I have to ask people is this. Do you want to stay in this relationship? I understand you're angry. <laughs> I understand you're disappointed. I understand you're frustrated. The question is, do you still value, do you still see this relationship as important to you? See, the great thing about God's love for us, even when God is frustrated with us, is that God always wants to be in relationship with us. God will always restore relationship to us. But our hearts will turn away from God in these moments of disappointment, discouragement, anger. 
There are things that happen to us in life that will turn us away from God and we will shake our fist at God and there's nothing wrong with being angry with God, but it's what type of anger is there? Is it an anger that says, I still, God, want to be in relationship with you? Or is it an anger that says to God, God, get out of my life? That's a dangerous type of anger. That's a destructive type of anger. You know, I talked to a Satanist once. You know, can you imagine a pastor and a Satanist having a discussion? I got to have it. A friend of mine was a street evangelist. He invited me to come to the short north of Columbus, Ohio, the inner city of Columbus, Ohio, and they were doing street evangelism at a witch and warlock conference. Every year in the short north, about a thousand witches, warlocks, neo-pagans, Satanists, and Wiccans gather in the short north of Columbus, Ohio at Halloween to have a conference. You you ever been to a church conference or a seminar or any of those things? Well, the witches and warlocks have them too, and the Satanists. And they were getting together and going to seminars, and they would go out on the streets. And so uh, my friend Brian and I, Brian invited me to go out on the streets and say, hey, let's go share our faith with Satanists and warlocks and witches. And I said, sure, I'm in, right? So we went out on the streets, and um, there were a lot of people out on the streets in the short north during this summer. I mean, a lot of, and people wearing capes and staffs and, and full-on full stuff. And uh, I'm walking around. I met a, a, a woman who was a Wiccan witch. She had a cape on, and I was asking her about how she became a Wiccan witch. And turns out she was Pentecostal. She grew up Pentecostal. And she shared some things about her experience in the Pentecostal church that really caused me to go, oh, now I understand why you're a Wiccan witch. Because of some of the things, and I won't go into details, but there were abuses within her church that turned her away from God, turned her heart away from God. So anyway, I'm having this conversation with her, listening to her story, listening to what she believed. But off to the side, there is this other young man, and he is just like seething with anger. And he's giving me the eye dagger. You know what I'm talking about, the eye daggers? You know, you know when you get to eye daggers, they're like people looking at you like, oh, I'm so mad at you. And he was looking at me that way, and he was just, the, the jaws were clenched, the body was tense. He, he knew who I was. He knew who I represented. <laughs> and he was standing there seething the whole time, and I could see him just tense and angry. And as I am listening, I'm catching this out of the corner of my eye, and I look over at him and I say, hey, how's it going tonight? <laughs> he didn't say hello. He didn't say anything except this. He said, I could call down a legion of demons to destroy you. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> Tell me more about that. <laughs> and he just launched into this tirade about how he couldn't despise me and who I represented and that he had the power of Satan on his side and he could do whatever he wanted. He had all this power and he could do all these things to me. And on the inside, I'm going, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's what kept me there. (laughs) As he began to attack my faith and attack my Christianity and claim power over Christ, I just listened. Things were getting kind of tense, I'll tell you that. In fact, the, the, the witches and the warlocks and the Satanists and the neo-pagans around us started to sense that there was a presence among them that was no longer welcome. That was me and Brian and some others. 
and things were getting tense. And so Brian comes over to me in the middle of this one-sided conversation and says to me, Pastor Matt, we've got to go. It's time for us to go. We've got to go back to the church, which was our code for let's get out of here. (laughs) And uh, I said, okay. And so I said, give me one more minute. And I looked at this Satanist who was seizing with anger. And it told me some of his story and why he had turned away from God. And I looked at him in the eye and I said this. I said, I don't care what you've done or where you've been or what you believe. I just want you to know that God still loves you. Wow. All of a sudden, the tension just went right out of his body. And the man who was ready to fight with me and attack me all of a sudden went limp. And I looked in his eyes. He didn't say a word, but I could see the tears. I don't think anybody had ever told him that God loved him. Did I think his life had been so full of disappointments and frustration and anger and experiences that he said, I am never going to trust that God, but I'll trust Satan. I'll turn away to this other God. I'll turn away to this other belief system because I don't believe that God loves me. I may have been, I don't know this for sure, I may have been the only person that ever told him that. The power of love is greater than the power of hate and anger and bitterness. And you know, Later that night, my friend Brian and I, late night, we said, let's go, let's go get a, a late night snack. You know, after midnight, we're walking. We left the church. We're going to the parking lot to get in Brian's car. And the Satanists with his friends, they're coming to get in their car. They're going for a late night snack, I'm assuming, which makes us both human. And as we're crossing the parking lot, we make eye contact. And you know what the Satanists did? He smiled and waved at me. And Brian, my friend, like said to me, you know that guy? Who's that? I said, that's my friend, the Satanist. (laughs) Folks, the reason we turn away from God is that somehow when we face the gap, when we face the disappointment, when we face the frustration, we think God doesn't love me anymore. And I am here to tell you that that is not true. That whatever the circumstances of your life, whatever you're going through right now, God still loves you deeply. In fact, God's already proven it in Jesus Christ, the one who came and lived among us and walked among us and suffered with us and experienced our pain, experienced death of friendships, experienced temptation, experienced suffering, went to a cross, laid down his life and gave it for us, his friends, the ones he loved. God has already proven to us 100% beyond the shadow of a doubt, that God is for us, not against us. So let me just tell you a couple things you can do when you face the gap. One. One is this, be still. Psalm 46, 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes when we face the gap, it is time to just be still and see, find, acknowledge that God is present in the gap. 
God is there when we don't have the answers. And then even though we don't have the answers, God does come alongside of us and will be present with us and will comfort us in the moment of the no. Even though God doesn't change things, the circumstances, God comes to be present with us. So be, we have to be still to find that. You know, I'm thinking of Moses who had to stand still with his back against the Red Sea and the Egyptian army coming to him. What did he have to do? He had to stand still and trust God. Or when Gideon watched his army get whittled down to 300, he probably was going, God, what are you up to? This doesn't make any sense. Why are you doing this? He had to be still and trust God in that moment where things didn't look right. And that's what we have to do is to be still. The other thing we can do is study God's word. What already has been revealed to us? There are divine secrets, but God has already revealed a lot to us. And part of the issue is our own ignorance of that, right? Sometimes we, there's more that we need to learn. There's more that God can teach us that we can help us to fill in some of that gap, not all of that gap. So we listen, we learn. And I would say to you, the other thing that we do is we learn to live with the gap. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that great love chapter, speaking of marriage. In that chapter later on, it says this, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. We, we only have part of the picture, folks. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When completeness, completeness comes, one day completeness will come. Just not today. Trust that God has got your gap. Trust that God is for you until that day of completeness. Let's pray together.